See, well, good morning. Can everyone hear me? Okay. It's good to be here. Ba- it's good to be back uh, here in Hot Springs as I kind of get situated up here. Um, first, I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to come back. Some of you um, may were, I was here in June. I looked, I looked it up when I was here. Uh, and I was here in June. Pastor Mark asked me to come and fill the pulpit. And so he asked me again. He knew he was going to be out of town uh, this weekend. So he uh, asked if I would come back and teach this beautiful Sunday morning. And what a morning it is, right? Such beautiful snow. Uh, I grew up in Laramie, Wyoming, where it seems like all it does is snow uh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, our winter is like nine months long. So uh, it's just beautiful. I, I love the snow. So I'm encouraged. And I want to thank you for the beautiful worship music this morning. I mean, I was, let's just go home and, and and take that into our hearts today. So, uh, but with that, uh, it was uh, just beautiful. I can't go, I mean, I'm still processing that. So thank you for, for leading us in worship today. Um, when preparing for my sermon today, I kept this verse in mind. It was in 2 Timothy. It says, be diligent and present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's my, that's my goal today. Uh, as I fill the pulpit, I'm going to preach out of the Gospel of Luke, as you see on the, you saw on the screen, and we're going to learn four benefits upon waiting on the Lord. But uh, before we get there, uh, before we dig into the Word, uh, let me get out of the way and let us pray, and uh, we will start there. Heavenly Father, we uh, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for this beautiful snow. Uh, we thank you for uh, this day you've given us. Um, I thank you for this opportunity to come here to Hot Springs. And uh, Lord, I just pray over this, this church body. I thank you for each, each person here. Um, I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, give us ears to hear today, uh, that we would be uh, comforted by your word, uh, that we would be strengthened, uh, that we would not grow weary. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for all the blessings you've poured out upon us. Um, we just thank you for this time. Uh, now get me out of the way, Lord, and speak through me, and uh, let me be a holy and pleasing sacrifice to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So some of you here, like I said, were, uh, some of you here were in June when I, uh, when, when I was here the first time, and we learned from that at that time, the Apostle Paul, uh, I preached out of First Thessalonians, and there were three core attributes that we learned as Christians that Uh, that we sometimes forget to fully follow in our walk with Christ. And the passage we looked at was uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, 16 through 18. And and this summer, uh, we looked at that, we dug into that passage, and uh, the verse is, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when people ask, if you're in conversation, it might come up, uh, you're talking to a friend, and they might just be at a stage in life, a season in life, when they just uh, don't obviously know God's will for their life. And they might ask you, what is God's will for my life? You can remember that ver- those three verses, and that's a great, a great starting point with, with them in conversation and encouragement. And you could say, that, and the title of my sermon in June was, The Standing Orders of the Gospel. And it's to rejoice always, to pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And I think your life will change over time to be more like Christ. If we follow, if we start there, um, that, that's a wonderful way to start growing in Christ. So today, we're going to hear 
four benefits from waiting on the Lord. And we're going to learn and focus on that beautiful moment that is described early in the Gospel of Luke. So my question today, church, is, in this day and age, what is one of the hardest things to do? You might already know the answer. I think as a believer, one of the hardest things to do, uh, and, and, and it's challenging, is to learn that, that discipline or that core attribute of waiting on the Lord. And, and why is that? And I think as men and women, we are, uh, most of us, we desire, or all of us, uh, we desire to fix things. We desire to, to, to avoid conflict, really. Um, I know I do. That's one of my things I've learned about myself over the years. I, I tend to avoid conflict. Um, we, set, we tend to seek out answers of things um, we don't understand. Uh, when it comes to our health, especially, we, we want our sickness to be cured. You know, we don't like, obviously, being sick. Um, we, don't, um, we don't like, especially, we, we really don't like pain. And so we want that pain to be taken away, right? And so, um, you know, if we're wrestling with a big uh, decision in life, uh, whether it be to accept a new job or to uh, when to start a family if we're a young couple, we're moving into that season of, of, gr- of growing as a family, or if we, we decide, we're deciding whether to move to a new place for a fresh start in life, we have the tendency to want answers sooner than later, right? And especially in our culture today, patience is sometimes a rare commodity, and immediate fulfillment is usually preferred. So according, I was preparing for my sermon today, and in a survey of 2,000 adults, they, uh, they all, the majority of them agreed that the, mo- the luxuries of modern life have made most people incredibly impatient. And in the survey, it's astonishing that three-fourths of those surveyed says the dominance of digital technology, such as your smartphone or on-demand technology uh, or entertainment, are to blame for this ever-growing lack of patience. And then they give you some examples, and I don't know how they quite measured this, but they said that uh, the, the threshold for lear- loading a website, you're just on the internet, you're loading a website, if it takes 16 seconds, that's just way too long. And people are just so impatient, and it's just, it's, just, it's just taking forever. And you get a little mad, you maybe shake the mouse, and uh, you, tap, like, you tap the mouse like it's going to load faster. Um, and then they also measured, I don't know how they measured this, but they or they asked people, they said 25 seconds was way too long for a traffic light to change. So you're sitting at the intersection, and about 25 seconds is the, is the breaking point. You're just, maybe you start tapping the wheel, or like doing this in the car, maybe that'll make the stoplight turn faster. So, so that's too long to wait. So we've been kind of grown exceedingly impatient as a society as like kind of more and more technology and the conveniences of life have uh, come come upon us, right? That, that's the world we live in. But my question is, is that what the Lord um, desires of us? To be that impatient over those itsy-bitsy tiny things in life? Does the Lord want, to, want us to be frustrated about the little things in our daily life? Or to try and figure everything out on our own, through our own, through our own ability? Uh, to seek immediate answers on our own without prayer, uh, without consulting the word, uh, without seeking counsel maybe from another seasoned believer or an elder here at the church or, or one of your pastors? And the answer is no. I think when it comes to our faith in God as, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, it's exceedingly difficult uh, to wait on God, 
especially in today's day and age. It's hard to do that because God is sovereign and we aren't God. Amen? So I want to assure you today that, that waiting on the Lord is, is crucial to our walk with Jesus Christ. And it's a spiritual discipline. It's something you learn over time. And I think it's something consciously we should work on each day. And if you do, I know that, that you'll experience more peace. You'll experience more patience in your life uh, that you've never felt before because God is in control. So to set the stage today, uh, we're going to learn from the Gospel of Luke. And it's the third book in the New Testament, if you're, if you're a new believer. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles, you can turn there now. Uh, we're going to read eventually from chapter 2. Uh, so third book, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So Luke was a physician. Uh, Luke was the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, which would mean Luke con- uh, contributed to over a quarter of the text of the New Testament. The Gospel of Luke was written for a non-Jewish audience, so that's the, the lens you have to look, look at in, at Luke in the New Testament. Uh, he's, he's trying to reach, uh, he's, he's writing for, non, for non-Jews. And the overarching theme of the Gospel of Luke is to present an accurate account of the life of Jesus Christ. And second, it's to present Jesus Christ as the perfect human and Savior to all, to all mankind, to, to both the Jew and the Gentile. So you have to keep that in mind whenever you read the Gospel of Luke. And a key verse in Luke is in chapter 19, verse 10. And this is where Jesus told his disciples, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so keep that in mind, too, as we look at, at Luke. Um, we're going to go back to the beginning of the life of Jesus Christ in chapter 2. We're going to look specifically at the eighth day after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger as a gift to us. So let's, uh, let's look at chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to pick up there. At, at this point in Jesus' life, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem, as was custom at the time. Jewish families went through several ceremonies soon after a baby's birth. Following the Old Testament law in Leviticus 12, every boy was circumcised and was named eight days after his birth. A firstborn would have been presented to God one month after his birth. We see this explained in Exodus 13. And the mother underwent a time of purification after their child was born. It was either 40 days for a boy or 80 days for a girl. After that time of separation, the parents were to come to the temple with a burnt offering and a sin offering, which was usually a lamb and a pigeon. Or if the parents couldn't afford a lamb, a second pigeon or dove could be brought for that sacrifice. So that is what Mary and Joseph did, and that's what you read in in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, They were poor. Uh, they, brought, they did not bring a lamb, uh, a physical lamb. Um, and you see that in Luke verses, uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 21 through 24. So if you're following along, that's kind of a summary of, of 21 through 24. And then we come to verse 25. And some of your Bibles may have the subhead in mine. Uh, let me open mine. Some of yours may have a subhead, uh, the prophecy of Simeon. Uh, the version I'm using today, the New King James, has the subhead, uh, Simeon sees God's salvation. And this is the core message we're going to look at together. So let us, let us read together. We're just going to read the whole passage all the way through, and then we'll, we'll step through it uh, uh, verse by verse. And it says, God's word says, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout 
waiting for the consol consolidate 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 consolation. I kept getting tripped up in uh, going over that consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, for which you have prepared before all the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against, and my version has a parenthesis, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen? So, so let us dig into that passage on the story of Simeon. Who was Simeon? He was a devout man of Jerusalem. We are simply told in verse 25 that he was uh, an Israelite endowed with the gift of prophecy. Um, yet he's an he is yet another witness to Jesus Christ, who possesses a vibrant walk with God. And God revealed to Simeon that he would not pass away before he saw, before he saw the Savior, Jesus Christ, as we see it in, verses, in verse 26. Luke tells us that Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Quote-unquote, consolation of Israel. So what does that mean? That, that's an odd phrase. The consolation of Israel was a name for the Messiah in common use among the Jews. This title for the Messiah refers to the comfort, the comfort that he would bring. So Simeon, who is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, has been waiting his entire life for the Messiah to come. And that's, the, that's what Luke's building this up to. He's building this, this, this moment up to uh, in, 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 in Luke. And he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's, he's waiting for the Messiah to come. And it says the Holy Spirit was, was in him. He was a righteous and devout man, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. So, so Simeon was waiting on the Lord, as our, our sermon title today is. So scripture says next in, verses 20, in verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So this is, it's vital to pause here, right, right here. The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, in, in some way, that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. Other translations say uh, the Lord's Christ, like the one I used today. So seen, seen is the key word here. A Bible, Bible scholar J. Vernon McGee says in his commentary on Luke, salvation is a person, not something you do. That person is our Lord Jesus Christ. Either you have him or you don't. Uh, either you, you trust him like we sung today or we don't trust him. I guess my question to you today in, in this, as we look at this verse, uh, passage of scripture is, have, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
have you, have you honestly given your life to Christ? I think Simeon in our passage today literally, obviously he literally saw the Messiah, uh, the Savior of all mankind. Uh, today, you can also see your Messiah. You can accept Jesus Christ as Lord in your life. And, and as, you, as we go through this passage today, is, the, is today the day, October 27th, uh, the day you make that decision? That's my question today. Uh, in verse 27, uh, we continue with Simeon, and we read that, So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, we read again that Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit guided in this perfect moment, he guided and directed Simeon into the, table, into the temple on that eighth day after Jesus Christ was born. Mary and Joseph were obedient, and they were following the custom of the law. So Mary and Joseph are in the temple with baby Jesus, and Simeon approaches him. And I, I like to picture the, the excitement, the anticipation, uh, the wonder. You, I mean, you can't, I, I can't imagine just all the feelings, the, the, um, the adrenaline, the emotion, the everything Simeon is, is feeling at this moment. I think it's, it's a beautiful moment that we kind of we read over a little bit, like we read about the birth of Christ, and then eventually it's Jesus' ministry. But it's, it, this is a wonderful moment that we need to take time for and, and reflect on. And so you have this, this righteous and devout man. He's likely very old. We don't know exactly how old he is. Some traditions say he was like over 113 years old. I don't know if that's true. He could be over 100 years old. He's uh, obviously well into his years. And He's full of the Holy Spirit, and he comes, and you just can picture this. He comes to Mary and Joseph. You know, they're holding Jesus in their arms, and he, he approaches them. And Luke, in, in, chapter tw- or in uh, verse 28, he says, He took him up in his arms and blessed God. So he walks up to Mary and Joseph in the temple, and I would like to think ever so carefully. I like, he's been waiting on this his entire life, and, and purposefully and full of love and compassion, and he takes Jesus into his arms, and you can just, you can just see the, the, just, I can't imagine the amount of emotion that was, that rushed over him, and peace, and we're going to see that here in a second, he's full of love, compassion, he takes Jesus into his arms, and you can just feel the wonder in this, when you read scripture, you can feel the wonder and amazement of just that moment, and, you know, scripture doesn't say, if you look in there, it doesn't say, you know, he just didn't walk up to him and say, hey, excuse me, can I hold your baby? And uh, No, we don't see that at all. He, he, he was purposeful, and he was gentle, and he, he knew that, that Christ was the Messiah, that he had finally come. And he was in the temple at that moment. I mean, the Holy Spirit is just a beautiful moment. I, you just almost want to cry just this perfect time where uh, Simeon comes into the temple, and Mary and Joseph are there with Jesus, the Savior of the world. And he took him into his arms, and he blessed God. And because Simeon was faithful, because he prayed, you know, he, he lived a life, obviously, of faith. He, he, he studied. Uh, he waited on the promise of God, and he was honored with partaking of one of these miraculous moments that we see in Scripture, that he was allowed to touch and hold and pray, and we'll see in a second, and pray over and, and sing and worship uh, the Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ. And so, just moments later, we keep going in Scripture in verse uh, 28, and we see right here, he says, he blessed God, and he said, Lord, 
Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Amen. And this passage known today, uh, some or many of you know, it's, it's known as the Song of Simeon, and it's often called uh, Nunc Dimittis, from the first words of its Latin translation, meaning you may now dismiss. So Pastor John MacArthur, he describes the Song of Simeon as a touching expression of Simeon's extraordinary faith. Simeon has seen his salvation in Jesus Christ, and he's ready to depart the earth. Like that's, he's, he's, he's in peace. He, he's he has seen his salvation. He's ready to, dis, to be dismissed from this world, from, the, from life here on earth, and he has seen with his own eyes the Savior of the world. So what do we learn from this brief but moving song of Simeon? First, we learn that God is sovereign. Simeon knows that, and that God is sovereign, and that he is his Lord, and he praises God for fulfilling his promise of a Savior given to us according to your word. Simeon is now at peace. He no longer needs to keep waiting on the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the consolidation of Israel is in his hands. How, you know, how perfect is that? It's a perfect moment. The sting of death is gone. He saw his salvation in Jesus Christ. Not any works he did his entire life. And then we read in verse 31, which you have prepared before a face of all peoples. Jesus Christ was prepared by God to be given to us as a gift for all people, both Gentile and Jew, and that's the overarching theme of Luke, to all classes of people, to everyone. And then we read in in verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So this, when you look at that, that's an interesting sentence, and it's, it's in accordance with the prophecies in the Old Testament specifically Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, and this is a verse that's sometimes preached at Christmas time. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us, this is Isaiah prophesying, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In studying and preparing today, I read from Albert Barnes in his commentary, and he explains the Gentile aspect, and he said, the Gentiles are represented as sitting in darkness that is, in ignorance and sin. Christ is a light to them. As by them, they, uh, they will be made acquainted with the character of the true God, his law, and the plan of redemption. As the darkness rolls away when the sun arises, so ignorance and error flee away when Jesus gives light to the mind. And then the your people Israel, in that sentence, refers to the Jews. Barnes continues, the first offer of salvation was made to the Jews, and we see that in Scripture. We don't have it today, but it's in John 4, 22, and it's in Luke 24, 47. Jesus was born among the Jews. To them he had been given the prophecies respecting him, and his first ministry was among them. Hence he was their glory, their honor, their light. But it is subject to special gratitude to us that the Savior was given also for the Gentiles. 
So this passage in Luke describes Simeon praising a Savior who was given to us, who is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace, for both the Gentile and the Jew. So after Simeon ends his prayer, his song with both Mary and Joseph, and it says they were amazed. They marveled at what just occurred and what stunning words Simeon used to just describe Jesus Christ. Jesus was a gift of God to bring light to the entire world. While Mary and Joseph knew this, they still marveled at Simeon's blessing upon their newborn baby, the Savior of the world. Then Luke notes that in 34, it says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. And then it looks like he speaks directly to Mary, and he says, Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So here Simeon is prophesizing that Jesus would have some paradoxical effect on Israel. Some would fall, and some would rise, and there would be no neutral ground anymore. My question to you today is how we react to the person of Jesus who will determine our rise or fall. Will you joyfully accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or will you reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior? How you, re- how you will react to the person of Jesus will determine your rise or fall, just as Luke instructed us. There's no neutral ground anymore. The passage of Scripture ends with Simeon telling Mary, mother of Jesus, that a sword will pierce even your own soul. This was looking forward to Mary looking up to her son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Just as the Roman soldiers pierced Jesus' side, a sword would also pierce Mary's own soul. She would be afflicted with suffering and sorrow, as the death of Christ on the cross would indeed reveal the hearts of many. And there's no neutral ground anymore. So Simeon waited his entire life on the Lord. Simeon pro- or God promised Simeon that he would see his salvation before his death. And God answered his prayer. It was Simeon's prayer for decade after decade after decade, waiting on the Lord. He was hoping, he was trusting, he was being patient. Um, The feeling of anticipation, I think, uh, built up inside him every day. Uh, The sermon title I used, obviously, was Waiting on the Lord. And there are four key benefits from waiting on the Lord that we can learn from Simeon. First of all, waiting on the Lord leads to to an expectancy or anticipation. Uh, You kind of lean into it. And and Simeon waited his entire life to see his salvation. Every day there was anticipation uh, that he would see a Savior. Every day, I mean, he just, he just knew that. Every day was the day that he, today might be the day he sees, a, sees the, uh, his Savior. We see this also in, da- uh, in David, in the Psalms, specifically Psalm 5, verse 3. And it says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will, and I will look up. We see this verse in David. Uh, we see in this verse that David presents his prayer to God, knowing that God hears his prayer. And you see that throughout David's life. God hears our prayer as well. David orders, in quotes, his prayer in the morning, the first thing, and he eagerly waits for God to reveal himself. It could be in that moment, or that afternoon, or the next day, or years from that moment, but David knew. And just like Simeon, David waited on the Lord with anticipation and expectancy. He, the same should be true with us. The first thing in our mornings when we arise, such as this morning, we should, we should first offer ourselves to the Lord in prayer. 
knowing that God hears every prayer and God knows our hearts. As the prophet Isaiah declares in Isaiah 30, verses eight, uh, verse 18, it says, uh, Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, and, they, and that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So Jesus longs to have a relationship with you today. He longs to have compassion on you. Um, we tend to, as we wait on the Lord, uh, sometimes to offer our own justice in certain situations to correct a wrong. But I think we should leave that up to the God. He, he is a God of justice. And how blessed are those who wait on the Lord to long to be with him every day. So that's our first, our first uh, spiritual discipline, so to say, is we wait on the Lord with expectancy, uh, with excitement. Um, waiting on the Lord also, the number two, uh, is, it leads to patience. Obviously, Simeon was patient. His entire life was one of patience. Uh, we could learn from Simeon, and we could learn to be patient. God, and I like to think about this, God could be doing a hundred things in your life, or maybe a thousand things, and you have no idea. You're not aware of them yet. Um, and I think that's, that's how we develop that discipline of patience. We have David again, this time in Psalm 37, verse 7. And he offers this praise. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in this way. Because of, because of the man who, who brings wicked schemes to pass. So while waiting on the Lord, possibly in response to our prayer, uh, while we are doing that, while we're seeking for him to reveal himself to us, we can first rest in the Lord. I bet Simeon rested in his long life on earth. Sometimes we just need to remember it's okay to just rest, to just, to just rest and wait on the Lord. And second, we're commanded to not fret if others are prospering due to their wicked schemes in life. And this can absolutely be hard to do. It seems easy in, in theory to be like, oh yeah, I don't want to, it's easy to, to kind of not see those people, see that as the way to go. Um, but it is hard to do when you have friends or family even that, that, are, that are winning, in quotes, I like to put that in quotes, winning in life, but are they? are they? Are they waiting for the Lord to reveal himself in their lives, or are they just kind of plowing ahead, following their own path in life, uh, clawing their way to the top? That's a common expression used in our society. And, I, and I, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't mesh, it doesn't mesh with the gospel. Um, you look also at the book of Lamentations. We have here Jeremiah, he's addressing the exiled people of Judah, and about the fallen city of Jerusalem. So that's the moment right, right here. And in chapter 3, he provides hope in the midst of affliction. And he says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And in 326, it says, It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And that was Simeon. That should be us. Uh, God is good all the time. And uh, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. It is good. It's, it's actually okay to wait silently for the Lord. Sim Simeon uh, waited silently a long, long, long time. Um, it's good to have patience to develop that spiritual discipline in our faith walk. Our hope is found in Christ alone. Third, waiting on the Lord leads to trust. In Isaiah uh, 26, back in Isaiah, 
verses 3 and 4, the prophet boldly declares, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, or God, the Lord is everlasting strength. And some translations have, uh, we have an everlasting rock. We will have peace in our lives when we trust in God. We can, we can trust him forever because he is our rock. God never changes. Uh, the more we are patient and waiting for God, the more we can trust God to show us the path we need to take. This could mean the big decision we need to make soon. It could mean the, the relationship we may need to reconcile today. It could mean the new job offer that will affect our, your family's life in many ways. We should trust in the Lord with all our heart, mind, and soul to reveal himself to us in his perfect time. So it's patience. And then the fourth one, waiting on the Lord leads to hope. And Simeon was full of hope every day. Uh, God promised him that he would see his salvation one day before he was called home. We can learn from Simeon. I think hope is what many in the world has, have given up on. Hope. I think people, uh, people are lose, losing hope in this world. It just feels that way here. We're here in 2019. It just feels that people, uh, there's a sense of people are losing hope in this world. That people don't know uh, whom to trust. Uh, we don't know which institutions to trust necessarily. We don't know which leaders to trust. And we are especially losing the ability to be patient in all things, like our survey at the, at the start of this morning. But I think one of the biggest drivers of some of the biggest problems in society, uh, if you, if you kind of narrow it down, it revolves around people having no hope. But we can have hope. Hope in the one who is given to us by God, his only begotten son, to save us from that eternal separation and from our sin. To die on a cross and rise again, to overcome death, and he did that for us. He did that for you. He did that for me. Jesus Christ did that. And that is whom we should place our hope in. Amen. Um, again, we look to the Psalms, uh, Psalms 130, verses 5 and 6. David praises God. He says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, for, for more than those who, who watch for the morning. We also have Psalm 33, verses 20 and 22. Uh, David says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. Our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as, just as we have hope in you. Bible scholar and teacher J.I. Packer says that wait on the Lord is a constant refrain in the Psalms. So I encourage you, you know, maybe today or this week or this month to read through the Psalms and just see absolutely how much waiting takes place. Uh, we, I've, uh, I, I saw the other day, one pastor says that, that waiting is kind of the, the part of our DNA of, the, our, of our faith. Waiting on the Lord is difficult. It, it absolutely is. It sometimes feels unending. Uh, sometimes you feel that God has deserted you or that God doesn't hear your prayers. I've been in that exact same place time and time again. Or that uh, there's a reason, um, that there's no reason to hope or think that tomorrow will be any better than today. Like, you absolutely may be in that spot right now. But waiting on the Lord is, it is hard. It is, it's hard because we're impatient. We want, we want God to move now in our lives. We want uh, the pain to be taken away, uh, prayers to be answered, and for, a, you know, a plan to work out. We want our judgment to be confirmed, especially in others. That's kind of where your ego comes into, or pride comes into, uh, into play. 
Uh, we wanted to be acknowledged that we were correct. We want, you know, blessings to flow our way. Uh, we want to do it all today. We want to complete our goals and to attain our dreams. Uh, we fear that by not taking action, others, you know, neighbors, family, friends, may, we might be seen as lazy sometimes if we're not immediately trying to fix something. Um, we sadly place our hope and trust in too many of the things of this world. But if you wait on the Lord, like Simeon, like Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, David, like many men, many men and women in the Bible, you flip that. No, we, we will be comf comforted. We will be at peace. It'll lead us to a life of patience. It'll lead us to a life of trust, trusting in a sovereign God who cares for each one of us and hears every single prayer. It'll lead us to a fuller, more meaningful life centered on Christ Jesus, because Christ is coming back soon. And it leads us to hope. Hope in a Savior who died on a cross for you and me. In preparing my sermon today, as we close, um, a Bible study tool I use in, uh, is the Zontervan Dictionary of Bible Themes. It's a great, uh, great study tool to, to use some, uh, in, in, uh, when you read Scripture. And in the book, the Bible scholars, they, they, they list their best definition of waiting on God. And it's, it's uh, two sentences, and they say, waiting on God, they say, being prepared to look patiently towards God, for his guidance and accepting the timing that he proposes, waiting on God can lead to an atmosphere of expectation, right? Expectation and confidence in God and a realization, and here comes the kicker, of the unreliability of one's own judgment. And I, I was like, that's a perfect two-sentence description of it. Um, so when we wait on the Lord, when we wait for him to reveal himself to us in our lives through the word, uh, through the Holy Spirit, through Christ Jesus, it'll, it just removes that burden from our shoulders. You know, we are yoked with Christ, and, and his burden is light. Um, when we wait on the Lord, he will reveal himself to us in his perfect timing, and it'll lead to a greater anticipation of patience, trust, and hope in our lives. So let us remember the life of Simeon today and the, and the men and women of the Bible, and, and, and they all waited on the Lord. Amen? Amen? So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, oh Lord, you are so good, and um, we are so unworthy, but you, you have saved us from a life of despair and a life of darkness. And uh, Lord, I just pray right now that you would... Uh, be with us uh, today, uh, that we would learn to, to take time and to, to build those disciplines of, of, of praying with anticipation, with, with praying with patience, uh, trusting in you, and that you are, that Christ Jesus is our only hope. And uh, Father God, we, we pray, I pray over this church body. I pray for Southern Hills E-Free. And um, Lord, just be with them today. As, as they grow in greater confidence uh, with you as their Savior. And I pray for those that may not know you as their Savior, that today might be the day they come to you and give their life to you. And Father, we just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time of teaching. And if we can dig into the word together and just be with us today as we leave here today and that we would always glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>